we literally leave our clients with working software. So it's a radical departure from a PowerPoint slide. And it, I am so passionate about this type of delivery output because I think it's really a different and new kind of value that we can add to our client results stories. And the impact we're making is very tangible. That's Sarah Day Burton a leader in our digital delivery practice based in our San Francisco office. She's talking about the exciting client work her team is doing within the digital delivery space at Bain. I'm Keith Bevins, a partner and global head of consultant recruiting at Bain & Company, and this is Beyond the Bio. It's a podcast that shares the stories of our extraordinary people from their perspectives. You can read their bios online, but those barely scratch the surface of who they are and the important work they're doing here at Bain. Today we'll talk with Sarah about her background and path to Bain, leaving Bain for a 10-year stint at a major retailer, finding her way back to Bain to become a leader in our digital delivery practice. Welcome, Sarah. Good to have you here. Hi, Keith. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. So it's been a while since we've talked in person because I think when we were in China for the partner meeting was the last time we saw each other face-to-face. But we have known each other for a long time, although we've never worked together. We typically begin by bringing the audience on the podcast up to speed on your background and some of the things that you've done outside of Bain. And then maybe we'll shift to talk a little bit about ADAPT. But why don't we start with school? You received a bachelor's from McGill University in Montreal and went to London School of Economics to do your master's. Did you have a plan on what you wanted to do? What was the career goal when you started down that path? I did. I had a very clear and budding, ambitious goal of joining the Foreign Service. So my undergrad was focused on political science, and then I went on and did my master's and focused on international politics and actually specifically conflict resolution and peace theory. I did not expect to be a consultant, and I was pretty excited, actually, to to represent Canada in the Foreign Service. Did you go directly from McGill to London, or did you do something in between? Yeah, good question. I left McGill and actually went and worked for an organization called Street Kids International. So Street Kids International focuses on, obviously, kids who live on the street and sort of helps them through life. And I got an assignment in Costa Rica, worked in Limon, and ran a drop-in center for street kids. And Limon is in a port town, so there's chronic systemic issues that put many of their kids on the street. And that was an incredible, a really incredible year in my life. It just brought perspective and learning and expose me to what it takes to help families and and people survive. So was that a little bit of the impetus to going back and getting, you know, getting a degree from LSE? Yeah, I vividly remember in Limon getting a call from my parents like, you got in. And I was so excited. I didn't, I, I don't know if I thought I was going to ever get into London School of Economics, but I did and absolutely knew that I wanted to work in globalism and international politics. And, you know, the slice of Costa Rica life was was a great platform from which to then jump in and work for a couple of years with some of the most prominent thinkers, frankly, in the world. The academics at LSC, I, I really geeked out and I loved the the study and the exploration of world peace and just global relations. And it was just a good couple of years and kind of reinforced my desire to make the world a better place. 
And you actually spent your summers working more in that field than the business side, right? I did. I did a bunch of externships, but mostly both summers I spent working as the ambassador's sort of special assistant in the Canadian embassy in Prague. So that sounds kind of fun, right? It was fun, but it was really slow paced. And I that's when I began to realize that I'm not sure I might be too hyper and high energy and fast paced for government. And I had a really great relationship with the ambassador and he was clearly super committed to mentoring and ushering me through my graduate degree and exposing me to as much of foreign policy and relationships as possible. But yeah, it was kind of an interesting aha moment in my second summer where I was thinking, I'll do another year, I'll finish my master's, but I'm not sure if this is the the right career path. So then anybody who's listening and looked you up on LinkedIn sort of sees Costa Rica, they see LSE, they see sort of the ambassador's chief of staff type role. And then they see you graduate and join Bain & Company as an AC. Why consulting? Why Bain? How did, where did that come from? It's interesting. I really pivoted, didn't I? I was so consciously focused on, on government and foreign service. And I, I just, I decided that I could apply my conflict resolution and passion for relationships and people and peace and sort of problem solving. A lot of those same disciplines actually exist quite daily in consulting. And so I had a moment where I left London and I came back to Toronto, which is where I grew up. And I explored a bunch of opportunities. I ba- I did disband my ambition to become part of government. And I vividly remember interview corporates and in consulting. And I just really started to learn about what might be a better fit, given my my ambition. And you ended up joining Bain in Toronto, if I remember correctly, which might have been where we actually met way back in the day. But did you spend all of your time in Toronto? What did you do while you were at Bain? So I did join as an associate consultant in Toronto. And wow, I, I feel so grateful for getting the offer and saying yes. So it's just ever since been kind of a core part of my life. And yes, some of my most important friends are frankly from those those days. So I joined in Toronto. I worked, frankly, we, I mostly worked in telecommunications, in healthcare, in retail. And I remember, and, and actually in financial services. And I remember, you know, I was young, excited. This is a new chapter in my career Well, I guess it's my first chapter officially of my long-term career. And I remember getting a lot of energy from the learning opportunity and working with clients and just really understanding the mechanics of how Bain approached problem solving and client service. So those were really, those were really formative years. And I ended up transferring actually to Sydney, which was a very exciting experience. And as I said before, you know, some of my best friends at Bain are from these very early years. And in Sydney, same thing. I actually spent quite a bit of time in airlines and I spent time also in fast-moving consumer goods. So I really got in the first sort of four years of my career, I got a lot of industry exposure. 
solving for different things. Yeah, that's one of the things that I look back on my AC years and I kind of realized like I almost went all the way around the wheel in terms of the industry mix and the capability mix at Bain because you just get a chance to see a lot of different things. I also remember Australia when I started, in particular Sydney, being one of those offices that had a lot of transfers in Sydney. So not only were you in a, in a new country learning a new environment, but you had a peer group of people that were doing exactly the same thing. No, that's exactly right. The profile of the Sydney office at that time was exactly, they had brought in a number of people of my tenure and just, we really created a community and we worked hard. We played hard. We, we did the right thing. And, and it was just a great time to sort of solidify the Bain toolkit, understand our core values and make some long-term friendships. So after four years at Bain, in Toronto, in Sydney. You ended up leaving Bain. Talk a little bit about the decision to leave and pursue something different. I had a really interesting conversation with the office head at the time. And he is still at Bain and definitely one of my most important mentors. I'm not sure today if he knows the influence he had on my life then, But we together basically decided that I wanted to do something more hands-on and operational and become part of a client team that I had been consulting for the last four years and I actually wanted to see the other side. And I had a genuine passion for operations and we just created an incredibly easy path out of Bain and I ended up moving into into Gap Incorporated for my next sort of career chapter. And it was so enabled by my Bain years on so many fronts. It was just I'd built the skill set that had made me able to explore more operational so, roles. But, but for people who may have missed what you just said, so you actually thought about leaving Bain, thought about what you weren't getting from the experience and had that conversation with your office head about that? Yeah. <laughs> I've been a vein a long time. The people, the most senior leaders make themselves accessible to the most junior ACs. So people at Bain care about people at Bain. It doesn't matter who you are. And maybe that was ballsy at the time, but I was delighted to, because I was navigating how to actually do this. And frankly, whether it was the right thing to do. It's a big decision to leave a tier A consulting firm that I loved and still love. So I had lots of thought partners. And really, I remember like quite a milestone conversation that finally just almost cleared the path that, and validated that it's okay to leave Bain. And, right. so and, I, and I, know, I know from the conversations I've had with some of my mentees, I genuinely want what's best for them. And sometimes that means stay at Bain. Sometimes that means stay at Bain in a different role. And sometimes that means leaving Bain and finding something that'll really check the boxes that they're trying to check at that stage of their life. So I know from our conversations, you joined the international communications team at Gap. How did that play out for you? Was that the operations dream you were looking for? Well, it was a really interesting segue into retail because what it really was, was telling stores around the world, and I focus specifically on Gap brand, but telling stores around the world how to sell, what to sell, 
what the big spotlight products were for that week, like really running the behind the scenes communications and training for the thousands of store associates. So it was incredibly operational. I jumped from this strategic consulting experience into literally writing communication modules for how to get store associates to sell more more clothing. So I didn't last long in that job. It was very tactical. I, I spent eight months and then I was sort of like, wow, maybe strategy <laughs> is actually better for me because the tactics and the and the operational exposure I had at Gap, and I was there a long time, but what is invaluable because you learn the mechanics of retail, right? You learn how that industry works. And for that, I'm forever thankful. But I think I started in an organization that had over 500 stores and literally thousands of store associates, part-time, full-time. And you're really thinking about how to mobilize and grow the business entirely behind the scenes. So where did you go next then? Where do you go from that inside the organization? So I went and worked as chief of staff to the president of Gap Brand. Radically different job and much closer to Bain Consulting in the sense that I was doing numbers analysis, reporting, I was acting, frankly, as an inside eyes and ears on the business. And I basically worked tirelessly with the president through the ups and downs of running a retail business. And at that time, we were being heavily disrupted by fast fashion. So there were quite serious demands on the president and his executive team to innovate and capitalize on existing assets that were working, but to also really think about response to fast fashion. So it was a very strategic chapter in GAP's history and and one that I'm so grateful to have been part of. So we go through some of that, and then I know, because we that's about the time we might have met again, you ended up rejoining Bain. And so what was your path like back to Bain? Had you stayed in touch? Had you moved back to Toronto? What was what was sort of going on? I assume you weren't at Gap in Australia still, so you must have moved back somewhere to North America at some point. That's right. So I moved back when I decided I wanted to pursue retail. I moved to San Francisco, which is where I'm still based. And I rejoined Bain after, I think I did about nine years at Gap. So very, and the one thing about, working in a big corporate is I was exposed to many different roles. After chief of staff, I moved into customer insights and then I moved into marketing and was a brand manager. And then I moved to, I actually worked with Don Fisher for a year in in the Gap Foundation. And then I ended in corporate strategy. So much closer to my original home. And I, I, I moved back to Bain. I was recruited back to Bain to help build the customer strategy and marketing practice area. And that was very exciting to me because I could build something and I could work with people who are passionate about customer strategy and on a topic that I actually just had nine years of practical exposure to because retail is so customer centric. So came back and our practice areas at that time were nascent and just a budding sort of infrastructure 
that we have now really developed at Bain. And these centers of excellence are critical for our infrastructure. And was, and, that, was that Rob that you came back and worked with directly? Yeah. <laughs> Rob is the, the godfather of Bain podcasting. He's an avid tweeter. At one point to learn the business, I think he was actually an Uber and Lyft driver just to see what their operating model was like from the inside. So he takes, he yeah. takes it very seriously. He's amazing. I mean, the things that man will do. So I came back and Rob Markey has written, he's co-authored books with Fred Reicheld and written an enormous number of publications on specifically customer loyalty, net promoter system. And Rob and I worked very, very closely together for many years and ran the customer strategy marketing practice, which was a global practice with many affiliates who are partners and managers who just decide that the topic of customer strategy marketing and growth and loyalty and customer experience transformation and insights is core to their practice and and area of competency. What's really interesting for me as you're describing this is we talk a lot about building your own Bain. We've had other guests talk about how they've built their own Bain and their path through Bain. And it almost sounds like you found a role that checks a lot of boxes. It's global. It's highly visible. You're working with somebody who can probably match your energy on most days, but you're getting into customer analytics and you're actually building a business inside the firm, right? So you're sort of checking the operations box at the same time. I do want to shift and talk a little bit about Bain's digital delivery practice, which as we've gotten to work a little more closely and interact more frequently lately, it's primarily been through that. Can you talk a little bit about, I've referred to ADAPT a couple of times. Why don't you talk a minute about what ADAPT does for those that might be unfamiliar with it? Sure, that's great. So ADAPT stands for the Advanced Digital and Product Team. We are a delivery team focused on standing up digital solutions for our clients. And we're made up of a different type of talent, frankly, than you would see in the rest of Bain. And it's very much an expert infusion into broader digital transformation and customer experience transformation work that we do. And just to bring to life who I work with, luckily, every day and learn from every day are I, I have product designers on our on my team. I have full stack engineers on my team and I have product managers on our team, as well as we have people who are really deep in human-centered design and customer insights. So uh, the advanced digital product team is hot right now, especially given COVID and the migration towards omni-channels and our clients are really trying to make their digital assets much more robust. And our team are very good at coming in to a client setting and focusing in on how to make improvements while innovating so that these clients don't get disrupted by a digital startup or some other play in the market. And so we're very focused on keeping our clients relevant and frankly, leading edge in digital. So maybe we can bring it to life with an example or two of some of the things that ADAPT does on clients because we generally don't sell an ADAPT team to a client. We sell a strategy project to a client or an implementation or operations project to a client and we'll embed ADAPT into that team to deliver When I was in AC, when you were in AC, we used to leave the client with an Excel model that was well formatted and was locked so they couldn't break it. And now we probably leave them with an app, right, that they can actually use on their phone. Talk a little bit about maybe with an example or two so that people can understand what what ADAPT looks like in practice and with the team, with a real client team. 
That's okay. That's perfect. I, I mean, we literally leave our clients with working software. So it's a radical departure from a PowerPoint slide. And it, I am so passionate about this type of delivery output because I think it's really a different and new kind of value that we can add to our client results stories. And the impact we're making is very tangible. And my team are excited because they're literally building a solution. So it's a wonderful complement to the strategic roadmap and pathway and implementation execution plans that we build as strategy teams. And what makes, I think what makes ADAPT really unique, Keith, is that we work so closely with our business strategy partners and we operate in, in a very integrated hybrid team setup purposefully because we want to always ground our work in pursuing the, the, most, the, the most economically highly valuable high potential pathway. Um, so are you doing that in retail? Or are you doing that in consumer products? Or are you doing it across or is it specific to certain industries? We're doing it across all industries. We work for B2B, business to business. We work for business to consumer. We work across industries and across the world. So we have 10 hubs globally. And then we work, frankly, in design to build. So we do the front end user discovery and insights and ethnography collection and synthesis. We do the ideation to help our clients think about what needs to change to make things better. And then we do the creation, which is where we're actually standing up prototypes, digital prototypes, so the clients can actually experience what the change could look like. So like on on the project, you might be helping me design a dashboard so my sales associates can see what's going on in the warehouse or in the store throughout the day. And on the project, you'll actually stand up a prototype that we can use in the stores? That's exactly right. And And frankly, once the prototype is tested over and over again, dynamically with the user, we'll constantly make improvements and then we'll lock in and hand it over to IT and our engineering team who will actually build the minimum viable product. And so we take our clients, and I'll give you some great examples, but that's a, the one that you just mentioned is, is a real-life example where we help our clients just ensure they're making decisions off the right data with the right visualization dashboard in order to accelerate their pace of decision-making and effectiveness. I can give you a few other examples that will, frankly, be meaningful to your audience because we've all had bad digital experiences as users. And so we apply a really strong user-centric lens on the work we do. And we will look at a a website e-commerce experience, for example, and we'll see that it's very convoluted and hard to navigate getting to the cart. We'll understand how the customer meanders their journey to actually put something in the cart. We did this for a big tech company, and we ended up reducing the number of steps to access and put product into the cart to buy we reduced the number of steps from 15 to four, and we drove a, literally a six-time increase in the purchase conversion because we just made it easier for people like you and I to actually put product in a cart. Right. At some point, you just give up and you say, you know what? Forget it. I don't, 
it's not even worth, I don't want to click anymore. I'm done. Exactly. And the number of people who just give up are actually really valuable. So we want to keep them engaged in the experience and frankly, clear the navigation flows so that we're appealing to the speed to cart. So that's a good example of the kind of feature optimization and customer journey mapping. And then fundamentally, the engineering that went in behind the, you know, optimizing the e-commerce platform. So for somebody that's joining Bain out of a bachelor's program or an MBA program, and maybe even a PhD program, what are the opportunities for them to work alongside ADAPT? Do we do externships into the ADAPT group? Do we, do we sprinkle them through the teams? How, what does it mean for, for a lot of people that are listening in terms of, wow, that sounds really great. How can I get that exposure experience at Bain? We love working with consultants and people who've come into Bain in the traditional channel of General Pool. We love rotating those people in to adapt. And frankly, it's a win-win, right? So they get exposure to real product design to build experiences and how product management works that's entirely focused on service design and omni-channel experience improvement we rotate usually for six-month rotations. And ideally, some of those people decide to stay and some don't. They go back into general pool and they become some of our best and most important clients, frankly, because they become advocates for using our business and our, our value-added services. So you can rotate into ADAPT anywhere in the world. And I just think our team love the experience. It makes the hybrid teaming experience even better because you've got someone on the inside really helping to translate the Bain toolkit and the speed at which we work and make that marriage much easier. And do they have to have design experience, innovation experience, or, or software coding experience? What types of people tend to do those, those rotations? I think the most important thing I look for is we just want people who are willing to listen and learn. And frankly, Bain does such a good job at hiring those people. But because we're building new product and it's a new experience, we will rotate people in who have high empathy and high willingness to listen and learn. Because ultimately, our solution development is grounded in what the user wants. But no, no, we don't look, I mean, though, ironically, having a technical background or a background in human-centered design, I mean, we only benefit from those rotations. Part of the reason I wanted to start, and I always like to start by talking through people's backgrounds, is you're one of the digital leaders at the firm, but a little while ago, you were finishing your economics degree, potentially going down a very different path in government. Yeah. And it's sometimes funny how all of those skills come together and those experiences come together to create really new opportunities. What's been really neat for me over the last couple of years is seeing how ADAPT has grown. You were in relatively early when we started this several years ago. What has that journey been like? And what are the things that you look back on and go, that was, that's something I'm always going to be proud of? Or maybe, wow, that's something I probably could have done differently and saved myself a lot of time. Oh, there's been lots of learning, that's for sure. I, I'm very proud of the people of, on my team. So I fundamentally believe that they are the, they're the reason we've been a massive success. And I am proud of the way clients and Bain have embraced experts. And they're really quite distinct set of experts. And I see the results and the outcomes we're able to generate and push forward. 
and co-create with our clients. And that makes me really, really proud. I lead in a way that's pretty empowering and I hope I've created like a learning organization. And so I also am just proud of the culture that we've created. It's a culture of builders and, and it's a very ambitious group of talented people. And I see the growth ahead and, and I'm, I'm excited by that. It hasn't been, it's not easy what we're doing. And, you know, essentially we're building a, a business within a bigger business. And so there are operational challenges. There are lots of opportunities for us to just teach and train and explain the importance and the value digital product solutions and ex- omni-channel experience design, how important that is and what it is. And so it demands patience with the right combination of ambition, with the right combination of energy, but the challenges are overcomable. And I, you know, we have so much traction that I feel overall incredibly grateful to Bain for the opportunity. Yeah, one of the things that I've I've really been impressed by seeing Adapt and seeing all the vignettes and stories of the work we're doing with our clients is um, it's almost like teaching people to imagine things that were science fiction you know, 10 years ago, in some cases, five years ago. And we're coming up with answers that you wouldn't have thought were possible, so you never would have thought to even try it. And next thing you know, here comes Adapt. And we're on the whiteboard or now in the COVID years, you know, we're on Miro and we're sort of brainstorming and kicking around ideas and you go, oh no, we can build that. Is that what you want? We can do that. I know. It's amazing. The number of risks and the mindset for experimentation and the sponsorship of our people and the ambition. You're so right. I mean, it's amazing just to watch the accelerated path that we're on as a firm and that our clients are on towards innovation and transformation. It, it, digital is is fueling a lot of that. So I do want to start to wrap up. I want to ask you two questions. First, where can people go to learn more about ADAPT? Um, you know, we get a sampling of what we're doing here. People might go back and listen to Rishi from the Bain Innovation Exchange, which was on last season's episodes, um, and hear a little bit about the capability he's bringing to the table as well. But what's the best way for people to learn more about ADAPT and the types of people you're trying to hire? Maybe you even want to put a plug in now for the types of people that you're looking for. So we're looking for product designers, full stack engineers, anyone with human centered design and innovation certification or passion, and frankly, product managers who've been in an environment where they've seen and worked on any kind of digital solution. So absolutely uh, send me your resumes. I think the best place to learn about ADAPT, frankly, is through Bain.com. And through all our recruiting websites in the portal, you can access ADAPT as, as a functional area that Bain is actively recruiting for. And then, you know, frankly, I think we're, we're making a big impact. And so read the stories on Bain.com. Those success stories more and more will show you that there are data scientists and data engineers and innovation experts and a whole new kind of automation expert. There is a whole new set of outcomes that we are creating with clients that are fueled by experts. And we're doing it in conjunction in a closely integrated team with our strategy folks. So it makes for a really cool partnership. But yeah, I think Bain.com is frankly the best place to come. 
As we wrap up, I want to ask you one last question here. Assuming we talk more regularly like we normally do, but let's say we're recording an episode of this five years from now, Beyond the Bio is still going strong and we're recording and bringing back guests from before. You're going to look back five years from now. What do you expect to have seen happen between now and then for ADAPT as you all continue to grow the business? Wow. Well, okay. So first of all, we have to contract that I'm going to be on your podcast show in five years. So I'm in. Hold me to it. I see really rapid growth geographically. So we'll we'll open many, many more hubs. I see, frankly, real appreciation from our clients and our team at Bain for infusing technical expertise into these hybrid teams. We can yep. only generate more result stories and better traction. And I obviously am very biased, but I think the commercial appetite for innovation and digital is going to exponentially grow and adapt is so well poised to make a play to make the client's transformation journeys that much better and more broad, more robust with practical kind of product outcomes. So I'm incredibly biased because I'm leading this business organization and function at Bain, but I also see the real kind of macroeconomic and customer-led behavior changes that directly inform a pretty ambitious growth strategy for, for our business. That's really awesome, Sarah. And, and I think people understood that design and customer experience was always important. You started back at Bain with the customer practice. But what I see now in the, in the COVID era is a renewed focus, as you were alluded to earlier, on what is the digital experience? You know, how can our customers navigate our website? What's their customer service experience? What's the actual product usage experience that they have now? in a way that's much more heightened because you can't make up for it by being really friendly in person. You actually, your digital experience is now absolutely primary and bringing those capabilities to bear on the client work that we're already doing is just an awesome add to the, to the toolkit in a way that you and I have talked in the past. It is hard to scale up the business as fast as the demand has grown for, the, for what you're bringing to the party. That is indeed a good problem to have. <laughs> no doubt. And on that note, uh, Sarah, I want to thank you for, for joining today. It's always great to catch up. It's always great to catch up and talk about the business and life. And in this case, talk and catch up on Beyond the Bio. So thanks for your time today. And thanks for the work you're continuing to do on behalf of Bain and, and its clients. Thanks, Keith. Take care. Well, first of all, I'm a mom. <laughs> and I have two children, Henry and Luke, uh, 15 and 13. And so being a mom is hands down my most important my most okay let's say that again hey luke i'm on a live broadcast so it's hard for you you need to go ask dad speedy uh sorry keith that's amazing I, Hang on, give, that it one sec, give it, give it one sec give it one sec for the audio i heard it i was like that's hysterical i was like if you say something we're gonna have to stop thanks everyone for tuning in to beyond the bio if you'd like to share a review or give us input on what you'd like to hear on the podcast, we'd really like to hear from you. Please email our inbox at beyondthebio at bain.com. We'll see you soon with some new episodes and thanks for listening. <laughs>